What's up, guys? Welcome to our second podcast, officially named Real Talk Sports. I'm Jack. I'm Luke. And we're here, a little uh, second round recap of uh, the NCAA tournament so far. Uh, starting as uh, as they happened in order, uh, the first game of the second round was uh, West Virginia, Notre Dame. Javon Carter for West Virginia drops 25 as West Virginia beats Notre Dame by uh, double digits. Wisconsin pulling uh, one of the biggest upsets of the tourney so far over number one seed Villanova. Uh, Gonzaga up 20 in the first half against uh, the Cinderella wannabe Northwestern, but Pretty pretty bad call uh, in the uh, unfortunate yeah in the uh, final minutes of the game uh, should have been goaltending and it wasn't called on Gonzaga as the game got down to three points. Uh, McIntosh for Northwestern really struggled in that game and that's ultimately what cost them. Butler meets the other Cinderella wannabe Middle Tennessee State. Butler looked really good in that game actually. Kalon Martin had a lot of threes in the first half as Butler beats Middle Tennessee. Xavier, uh, coming out of nowhere, really, wasn't projected to uh, uh, go to the second round, even the Sweet 16, but they're doing that as Trayvon Blewett, J.P. McCurra, uh whipped the snot out of Florida State, really, uh, by 28 points. So that's a big win for X. Arizona holds off a stingy St. Mary's team. Jock Lindale for St. Mary's played really well the entire game, but Arizona, just too much talent for St. Mary's. Florida lit up Virginia last night. UVA just couldn't score 39 points in the game compared to Florida's 66. So Virginia, they're going to have to figure some things out over the offseason because they're really struggling in the tournament. They just can't score points. Iowa State was down by 19 with 12 minutes to go last night to Purdue. Uh, DeAndre Burton and Monte Morris led the comeback for Iowa State, but it just wasn't enough. Caleb Swanigan dropping 20, 12 rebounds, and 7 assists. Unbelievable from Caleb Swanigan last night in Purdue's going to the Sweet 16. Michigan continues this hot streak after uh, winning the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they've won two games in the NCAA tournament now, beating number two seed Louisville today in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, at the end of the game, thanks to Mo Wagner playing really well, he had 20 points. Wichita State comes up short against Kentucky, 65-62. Kansas pulled away at the end to beat Michigan State. Michigan State kept it close pretty much the entire game until the last three minutes. Uh, Josh Jackson had 21 points and Frank Mason had 20. North Carolina down five to Arkansas with three and a half minutes left, but ended the game on a 12-0 run. And uh, so North Carolina is going to the Sweet 16 again. Rhode Island gives up a late lead to Oregon. Dorsey's three with 45 seconds left. We'll, uh, we'll let Oregon move on to the Sweet 16. And Baylor comes back to beat USC thanks to Mono LeCompte's 8-0 run with five minutes left in the game. And another uh, exciting finish was South Carolina pulling the upset against Duke, who many thought would be a number one seed, but ran into a tough opponent, South Carolina, who really shouldn't have even been a seven seed. Uh, but they got a home game, and uh, the fans willed them to victory today against Duke. UCLA also fending off Cincinnati in the final game of the night. So let's go ahead and jump into the Sweet 16 picks a little bit. I'll um, start it off in um, the East region. You know, it's funny to me because when I looked at my bracket before this all started, I thought, oh, okay, East bracket will be the most likely bracket that you get right out of the, por- the four portions of uh, um, the entire bracket. And it's anything but, to be honest with you. I mean... Wisconsin, like Jack said, pulled off the upset of the tournament, and 
they're doing what Wisconsin does. Every year, I've learned that you just can't pick against Wisconsin. This team has gone through a coaching change over the last couple of years. They've uh, completely recycled their players, losing um, Kaminsky and um, Sam Decker. But then all of a sudden, you got guys like Bronson Koenig that steps up and Nigel Hayes and uh, Ethan Happ. So, you know, they, they just continue to get it done. They find a way. They scra- they're scrappy and uh, just great, great program. That's uh, the model of consistency. So they'll take on Florida, who um, in a battle of, you know, styles, beat Virginia at their at, – uh, just got them to play their their sort of game where you run up and down the court instead of the slow it down, let's uh, win 35-30 kind of game. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which is really what Wisconsin tries to do to you too. Um, but I I like Wisconsin too. I think Wisconsin uh, and Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ is going to be a tough matchup for Florida, I think. Losing John Igbunu uh, to injury a couple weeks ago is really going to hurt him in this game. I think Ethan Happ has a huge game. I think Ethan Happ is huge. And uh, – as much as we've we've talked about this individually, Bronson Koenig not necessarily a good regular season by his standards, especially. But um, last year, you look at his game winner against Xavier, and this year against um, Villanova in the second round, he played lights out. And I just think the dude has uh, the it factor when it comes to the March Madness tournament. He's and completely I th- proven it. I think that could be enough to uh, take Wisconsin to the Elite Eight, and they are my pick in that top half of the uh, East portion. Yep. And the other game in the East is going to be uh, South Carolina and Baylor, which I know almost <laughs> none of us expected. Shocking. Even though it's it's the three and seven seed, I mean, there's only one upset in that. Uh, Baylor seemed overrated, and South Carolina, I don't know how in the world they got a seven, but the committee proved us wrong and uh, beat Duke. So in that game, you know, I. A lot of people knew Baylor earlier in the season when they uh, started, what was it, 12-0, 13-0? 20-1. 20-1 yeah. at one point as well. And, and you know, they were starting hot, and then all of a sudden they fell off at the end of the season. But it seems like they're kind of getting back into that early season groove that I, I didn't personally see coming. But, you know, they're on a roll. And uh, South Carolina, obviously, coming off probably, I would consider, the biggest upset of the tournament so far. I mean, nobody – Villanova, Wisconsin – well, that was a crazy upset. Wisconsin has a history. This is South Carolina's first appearance in the Sweet 16. Wisconsin really wasn't even an eight seed, I feel like. They I were think never. Wisconsin was the better team than South Carolina, and Duke should have been a one seed. So it was a 2-7 matchup, really more like a one versus nine, I think. Yeah, so um, in that one, I got to roll with uh, the team that, no no offense to Baylor, they've they've had a great run so far, but I think South Carolina coming off such a huge victory, that that's a huge morale boost. There's got to be a enough, lot of confidence in that locker room. I think that's enough to push them into the Elite Eight to meet uh, Wisconsin for a chance to get to uh, the Final Four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the next one, uh, Gonzaga and West Virginia. I know this is a really tough matchup for uh, a lot of people out there. Uh, you got Karnowski down low for Gonzaga. He's played really well so far. And Javon Carter for West Virginia leading the press. He's been really good. Uh, personally, I feel like Karnowski outbattles Nathan Adrian down low uh, in this game. And the experience of uh, Williams Goss is going to be too much. Uh, the, the press, I just don't feel like, is going to be extremely effective in this game like it was against Notre Dame for West Virginia. I think uh, Karnowski is honestly the X factor in this game for two reasons. He uh, is a big body that, you know, West Virginia is going to have a hard time covering yeah. in the half court. But 
if West Virginia can get out and run, Kronowski can't get up and down the court to keep up with them. So if they can push and they can get some turnovers like they were able to do against a really stellar Notre Dame backcourt, um, this this could end up like the Notre Dame game where, I mean, they never actually pulled away and made it a, a butt whooping, but they, they controlled they could, the runs. They consistently had a comfortable lead. Absolutely. So um, I think we're different on this. Yeah, play. I'm going to go Gonzaga in this I, one. I personally have Press Virginia. I think this is uh, one of – um, Huggins' best defensive units he's yeah, ever had at West Virginia, and offensively, they've been scoring a lot of points. This is a this is, looks to me like maybe two of the top eight teams in the bracket. This yeah. might be an elite eight matchup that's happening in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah, this is a really good game. Uh, the next game in that region is Xavier and Arizona. Xavier, not a team that uh, many thought would be here. It's it's weird to me because we talked about this on our first podcast. Uh, Xavier was coming in. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. Over the about a month left in the season, they were viewed as maybe a five seed, and then they lost, and they lost, and they lost. And they barely got in. And they turned out to be a bubble team. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, they beat another team that struggled down the stretch of Maryland mm-hmm. comfortably. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they go in and they and they don't just beat FSU; they throttle FSU. It was not a game. They are clicking on all cylinders, and they're looking like a legit top 10 team, like how they started out the season. And that was so surprising to me. And even though FSU played a 14 seed in the first round, FGCU gave them everything they possibly had, and they always responded to FGCU. So I was thinking that team had a lot of confidence, even though they beat a 14 seed, but they got handled by Xavier by about 28 points. So the interesting thing to me is um, Arizona, a lot of people liked them coming into this tournament. And, yes, they're still here in the Sweet 16, but honestly not overly impressive in their first two games. No, uh, St. Mary's uh, was very impressive in that game. Uh, They were down. Arizona was down most of that game, actually, uh, until the last, I don't know, eight to ten minutes. Uh, But the Pac-12 champ, that's that's a huge thing to carry on your shoulders. Uh, There's a lot of confidence right now for Arizona. They've won a lot of games in a row, but, I mean, the confidence for Xavier's got to be right there, too. This one's a really, really, really tough one for me to pick. I think uh, I think you just have to go with uh, Arizona having a little bit more talent. Yeah, and, talent uh, and skill wins this one for Arizona. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a lot tighter than people think, though. Absolutely. I think I've got Arizona by five at most. Yeah, I'm, I'm single digits, no doubt. Uh, going to the Midwest region, this game's in Kansas City, which is a huge factor. I feel like it's Purdue and Kansas. So, uh, Purdue, obviously, like you said, Caleb Swanigan just put the team on his back mm-hmm. in the last round against Iowa State and uh, took Purdue to their first Sweet 16 since 2010, I believe. Yeah. yeah. 2010. And, you know, the dude is right there from Naismith Player of the Year. We're getting a battle that yeah. is fun. It's number not- one and number two candidates coming up in this game with uh, Caleb Swanigan and Frank Mason. And they both put their fingertips all over the games. It's oh, not yeah. like it's not like Caleb Swanigan is a one-dimensional dude. Like you said, he had, uh, what was it, 20, 27 points? 20 points. 20 points. 12 rebounds, 12 rebounds and 7 assists. assists. I mean, that's... that's, that's the numbers brutal. that stand out to me in that, in that stat sheet was 7 assists. For a six nine big man, and then three threes. That's almost unheard of for six nine postman. So I think the big thing this comes down to is um, who can get who to play their style of play. Yes. If if uh, Kansas can get out and run, it's going to be a problem with that backcourt of Devontae Graham and uh, Frank Mason. I, I just they're a lot to handle in transition. So if Purdue can slow it down and uh, run their sets, execute them well in the half court, I like their chances, but. 
they just got to limit the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And the game being in Kansas City, I, I, again, think that's a huge factor. It's basically going to be a road game for the Boilers. Uh, but I like Purdue in this one, actually. I think they're going to be able to get uh, their style being played just like the last game against Iowa State. Uh, that was a really impressive win uh, for Purdue. And I think they get it done against another Big 12 team. Yeah, I don't think Lucas has anything inside that he can do to uh, handle mm-hmm. Caleb Swanigan offensively. Rebounding I, at best. I think I think we're looking at Caleb Swanigan potentially uh, getting over the 30-point mark in this game. There's there's They will definitely, I feel like, need that as well. Purdue will. They'll need a big game out of, out of Caleb Swanigan to pull off an upset against right now what might be considered the uh, – title favorite remaining in this entire tournament. And I, I think this is really for the player of the year between Swanigan and Mason. I don't know about you, Absolutely. but I think it is. Uh, the winner of the game, their player gets a uh, national player of the year. The next game is going to be Michigan and Oregon. What do you think about this one? So uh, since about a month ago, I've been reiterating this. I, I love Michigan. I think they got hot and they're continuing this hot streak. And now all of a sudden you have the feel good portion of them, uh, almost having a freak plane accident and that that's just brought them together even closer and uh you know playing in the practice uniforms in the first day after getting there about an hour before the game started it's yep. just they their uh their backcourt is unreal with Derek Walton and Zach Irvin and and honestly now there are other players that before the season started you didn't know a whole lot about are starting to really step up DJ with DJ Wilson, Wilson. And, and today Oh, Mo Wagner, no answer for him. If Louisville could answer Mo Wagner, they won by 15. Yeah, but Matthew just didn't have any athleticism. Uh, Wagner would pump fake. Uh, he's a pretty decent three-point shooter, actually, and he'd pump fake and just go straight to the bas- basket. Cardinals had no answer. The unfortunate part about this for Oregon is, um, honestly, they would be my pick if they had Boucher, yep. but that is huge if they do not. This backcourt um, battle is going to be a lot of fun with Dorsey and uh, Brooks going against Walton and Irvin. But I think as long as uh, Walton and Irvin don't get outplayed significantly, Mo and uh, DJ are going to be plenty enough to make the way. difference. I think they're going to have their way inside. So I think uh, I think Michigan ends up back in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be close. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's going to come down to the last 30 seconds of the game, maybe one possession, but uh, Michigan gets it done. How about a uh, Big Ten Elite Eight? Yeah, no. Purdue versus Michigan, very possible at this point. Uh, next game going to the uh, South Region, or West Region, excuse me, UNC Butler. Uh, Butler had a lot of hot shooting last game from Keelan Martin. Uh, they've been really good. Uh, UNC was cold against Arkansas, though. Yeah, they really struggled. In that. And I honestly thought, you know, this this is looking bad for the ACC because UNC could get dropped here. And, and yeah. all of a sudden, you've only got Duke left, and we know how that ended. Yeah. So, uh, UNC, nobody. UNC's the one left that, that kind of has to carry the torch for the ACC. And, um, you know, they're going to have to play a whole lot better against this Butler team than, than they did against um, Arkansas, or they're going to be heading home. Yeah, I like UNC in this one, actually. I'm a huge Butler fan. Uh, I love what they do in the tournament. Um, but... Butler's hot shooting last game. I feel like they kind of cool off in this one. And UNC, they're going to have some hard practices this week. I, th- I feel like they figure uh, their problems out from this game tonight against Arkansas. And uh, UNC gets it done in another close one. I have a hard time picking this one. I think I'm not going to actually pick one of these teams that I think is going to win. I'm going to tell you what I think will decide who wins this game. And it's that's going to be correct. It's going to be so close. I think it is Justin Jackson. I think um, this is the dude that takes them from a Sweet 16 team to a national championship competitor. When he's knocking down his outside shots, there's not much he can do to guard the dude because he's uh, versatile and can and score in so many different ways. But 
Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a, in my opinion, the best game coming next weekend in the Sweet 16, and um, I think this one's coming down to the last minute as well. Yeah, and probably the best game of the Elite Eight, uh, the other one in the West region, is UCLA and Kentucky. UCLA came off a good win tonight against Cincinnati, handled them pretty much the whole way, and Kentucky uh, beat a 10-seed I don't know how they're a 10 seed, but they were Wichita State uh, in a close game. Uh, they've already meet, met this season, though, UCLA and Kentucky have, where UCLA won pretty handedly. Yeah, um, both these teams like to get out and transition and push. Yeah, and it's going to be a fast game. I think we're going to see a, a lot of points scored. I think we could see upward of 170 points scored can be, uh, between these two teams. And um, I think guard play is what's going to decide this one again, just like a lot of these other matchups. I think Lonzo Ball and uh, Bryce Alford, if he's hitting, it's going, to be a, it's going to be tough for Kentucky to bring them down. But Kentucky clearly has the athletic edge, which yeah. could be enough to carry them. Against. Inside, there's a definite athletic uh, uh, discrepancy between Bam Adebayo and uh, TJ Leaf and Welsh. Yeah, um, so in this one, this, this one is honestly probably the toughest to pick to me because, like I said, I mean, they play the same style of play. It's just who plays that style of play better this upcoming mm-hmm. uh, weekend. But... You know, I can't doubt Cal. He continuously has them in the conversation for a national championship. So I think they get back to the Elite Eight and uh, put him in a position to maybe get another. Yeah, and I honestly, I disagree with that. Um, UCLA, when they met earlier this year, it was a blowout, really. It was 15 points the entire game. And the big thing about that game was that it was at Kentucky. So that makes it even more important. Uh, they just looked outmatched. Uh, TJ Leaf is a tough matchup on offense. Uh, I think he's going to have a great game. And LeVar Ball, Hanzo Ball, sorry, uh, is going to have a really good game as well. Uh, 6-6, he's going to have a lot of room against Briscoe. (laughs) I think I just heard you say um, LeVar Ball. Unfortunately. Uh, Yeah, this dude is uh, is a little weird. He's um, out there, and, and at first I was like, you know, I'm cool with what this guy is saying. It's kind of weird, but he's he's supporting yeah. his kids. That's cool. Maybe I'm it's only going to be one thing he says, just maybe for some attention. Yeah, but but it's it's becoming dramatically worse. Oh yeah, every it's a downhill slide. Every single day, I see a new article of something that when I think that he hits a low point, he goes and proves to me that there's a lower point that yeah. he can hit. What do you think is the worst thing he said so far? Um, to me, the one that he said yesterday is absolutely oh, absurd. When I he agree. when he mentioned that. Lonzo right now is the best player in the world compared to Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. When I when I hear that, like I said, I'm fine with him supporting his kids. Mm-hmm. But when you say that, that becomes egotistical and it and it reflects poorly on Lonzo, Absolutely. which I feel poor. I feel bad for him because he's a good player. He goes out, he does what he's supposed to do. He stays quiet off the court. You don't hear him say anything. Yeah. It's all his dad, and and it's putting him in a bad spot. Yeah, and it's just. There's nothing to back him up either. I mean, Lonzo averages 15 a game, maybe 18 for UCLA, while Russell's averaging 32 in the NBA and a bunch of triple doubles almost every night seemingly. It just doesn't make sense at all. Um, The other thing is, LeVar said that he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one in his heyday, and that's pretty weird to me considering he only averaged two points at Washington State. Yeah, this one is absolutely asinine, clearly, but this one, you know, I can push this aside because it's like, yeah, whatever, this dude's spitting his mouth and he's doing whatever he wants to do, but it's kind of irrelevant. It bothers me, though, when he brings Lonzo and LaMelo into the conversation and he starts making 
their image come across in a poor manner because he wants the publicity. It's like he's living his dream through his kids yeah. because he didn't live that dream. Yeah. And and the brand gets even worse. If you ever go to uh, the Baller Brand website, you can't buy a t-shirt for under $50. That's terrible. He's uh, he's pushing the narrative too much, and, and I hope that um, somebody puts him in his place soon. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I hope that somebody helps him realize, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this because it reflects poorly on your kids who are uh, not asking for this kind of attention yeah. and, and a negative limelight. And, um, you know, he just kind of goes about his business how he did beforehand. Yeah. And speaking of getting put in your place, how about the ACC? Yikes. So I think uh, before this tournament, it was widespread uh, opinion that, you know, the two best conferences were clear-cut Big 12 and ACC. But we see um, – SEC and Big Ten have something to say about that. Yeah, they both got three teams. Uh, ACC only has North Carolina. Pretty surprising. They had about 10 teams in the entire tournament, but they're down to one. Yeah, like we said, too, I mean, it's not like UNC is dominating either. They, they did in their first round, but they, for all intents and purposes, should have lost that game. If it doesn't if it doesn't come down to Arkansas uh, really messing that up down the stretch. Yeah, they, no, they could have had zero, which would have been very, very embarrassing. So, um... Big Ten is the one that I, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with. Wisconsin, um, like I said earlier, they had they just have so much um, so much history over the last five ten years. They they consistently are just finding a way to turn these um, these scrappy players into you know Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship contenders, and and it's a testament to um, the consistency and and honestly, it's what every team should hope to be. It's kind of like the Patriots of college basketball almost, except they're not winning championships. I mean, it's, it's pretty close the way they're turning uh, athletes you don't really hear much about into winners. So the, the thing that is, uh, in my personal opinion, with this um, Florida-Wisconsin upcoming Sweet 16, I honestly view this as the Elite Eight in that region. I, um, uh, yeah. I, uh, think, I think I see um, not only one, but call me crazy, I see um, two Big Ten teams making it to the Final Four. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And honestly, it could go either way. I think Wisconsin does make it to the Final Four uh, out of that region, but Purdue-Michigan, I really do think that's going to be the Elite Eight matchup. So which either one you get is going to be interesting. You know, and, and honestly, both those teams, when they're clicking like this, they're tough to beat. They can honestly stop be, them. They can beat anybody in the yeah. country. and. Yeah. And it's just funny to me because this was considered a down year for the Big Ten, and yet they still get teams this deep mm-hmm. in the tournament. We've got almost a fourth of the Sweet 16 and and could probably, should have, um, half the Final Four. Yeah, that two out of four for sure. Uh, well, the second round uh, was clearly much better than the first round. The first round pretty, was pretty disappointing. No upsets, really. Uh, the 12-5 matchup that was an upset, Middle Tennessee State over Minnesota. Uh, Blue Raiders from Middle Tennessee State were actually favored in that game. Do you think we have our expectations too high for March Madness? Well, you know, the thing that's tough to me about this is there was no madness in March this year. Everything went chalk, honestly, in the first round especially. Middle Tennessee, you can say they beat Minnesota as a 12-5 upset, but Middle Tennessee was favored. So how can And how in the God's name are they a 12 seed? That's ridiculous. Thirty-one and four. Oh, is Wichita State an upset of Dayton when they have a top ten RPI? Uh, no. Okay, no. so then, so we're looking at what is the biggest upset? You're looking at maybe SMU losing. That's the biggest upset of the first round. Yeah, I, I don't know. USC was a top forty RPI. I mean, that's not much of an upset. They were only underdog by about three points. I think um, 
it's not necessarily that we have too high of expectations. I just think we've been even more spoiled in recent years yeah. with 15s last year. With yeah. Middle Tennessee pulling off that upset against Michigan State, that's like the, the, the peak of what March Madness should be about. When you mm. see uh, Lehigh beat Duke, yeah. or Norfolk State beat Missouri as a two Florida Gulf Coast, Sweet Florida 16. Gulf Coast, Georgetown. Yeah. You know, this is this is what everybody looks forward to all mm-hmm. year in college basketball, and to have it go as, as much as planned, technically speaking, mm. in the first round was uh, – was not what I think the people wanted. The other thing with that is uh, excitement in March Madness doesn't really even have to be upsets. It can be late second shots, and we haven't seen any of that. The only one we've really seen is with 35 seconds left tonight with Tyler Dorsey. Yeah, no buzzer beaters. No, uh, You get some exciting games. The one that mo- has been most exciting to me is uh, probably the first-round matchup between Oklahoma State and Michigan. Michigan yep. You had a high, high, high-scoring affair. Yeah. 92, Defense was optional. <laughs> Fun thing about that was uh, Michigan up two with about five seconds left. DJ Wilson goes to the line, hits both. And then Oklahoma State hits the three yeah. at the buzzer. And you're just thinking one. If you're thinking yeah. if DJ Wilson ends up missing one of those, we're going overtime. We're going overtime. All right. Well, now we're going to start a new segment here on our podcast called FaceTime. If you've ever seen Around the Horn, uh, this is when you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want. So I'm going to let Luke go first. So uh, big shout out to my boy, Jeremiah Francis, and his uh, Pickerington Central High School boys making it to the state sem- uh, state semifinals where they'll take on Moeller and what I view as the um, state championship, to be honest with you. Moeller is undefeated, but Pick Central has three uh, D1 athletes in Adrian Nelson, Jeremiah Francis, and Sterling Manley. Sterling going to UNC, Jeremiah getting offers from teams such as Xavier, West Virginia, Ohio State. You know, he's, he's getting them from all over the place, and he's, his recruitment's only going up. Adrian Nelson, a little bit smaller D1, but Stony Brook, Detroit, he's got a lot of teams looking at him, and he can fly. So, um, big shout out to those guys, and uh, I'm definitely pulling for them to win the state. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out to the Butler Bulldogs. Uh, This team is a small uh, program, you know, from Indianapolis, where uh, basketball pretty much originated. Uh, This year, uh, they're back in the Sweet 16. They could really go as far as they want. They have all the potential to do it. Um, but being a small, small program in a state with IU, Purdue, and Notre Dame, you'd think you'd get no recruits. You'd think you'd be a, a little brother to all these, but I want to read an interesting stat I saw. Uh, since two th- 2000, uh, they have six more tournament wins uh, than Indiana and Purdue, and seven more than Notre Dame. So really, the little brother is pretty much the big brother in the state of Indiana, where IU, Purdue, and Notre Dame have made their uh, name for many years, and in the last decade, it's been all Butler. Uh, that's a that's a huge shout-out to Brad Stevens, who started that started trend program, and, yeah. and definitely has pushed them in the right direction. And, and Chris Holtman has continued that with uh, some really, really good recruits. Yeah, the, the excellence that they're continuing to display after those uh, back-to-back national championship runs is uh, truly impressive, and, you know, It'd be a lot of fun to see them make another tournament run into the Final Four, even national championship as the team that not a lot of people saw coming yeah. out when they have a Sweet 16 matchup with the UNC. And even if they found a way to get past that, Kentucky, UCLA, you know, that's, they were kind of the forgotten team out of the top four teams in that region. And uh, so to get past that would be something pretty remarkable and something that would just be a trademark of 
of what exactly Butler is. Yeah, and they've really gone from Cinderella to one of the elite programs in just five years, six years. So it's been pretty impressive there uh, for Butler. So this is it for our second podcast. We thank you for tuning in to uh, Real Talk Sports. I'm Luke. And I'm Jack. And make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at Real Talk Sports 8. Uh, we'll hope you guys have a good rest of uh, March Madness. We look forward to talking to you next week.